Hey there, it's Alex. Just a really quick announcement before we get started here. We were totally booked out for our Cost of Glory Rome retreat this summer, 2024, June 30th through July 7th. But we've managed to make some adjustments and we've found room for another one or two slots. So if you're interested in visiting the great sites of Rome, discussing the merits of Rome's greatest men with me, and also improving as a speaker with the insights of ancient rhetoric and a whole lot of live practice and discussion, check out the retreat website at costofglory.com retreat. Hope to see you in Rome. Okay, now for the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cost of Glory. This is Alex Petkus. Quick announcement, we're working on an ancient Greek product, as I've mentioned before. I could really use your help. If you've ever learned or tried to learn a dead language, in other words, a classical language, what was the hardest part for you? What would you tell your past self to help you get through the process if you succeeded or if you failed? Write me at alex at ancientlifecoach.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now then, a shorter episode today. I like to think of these shorter episodes as moralia. I'm drawing on Plutarch's moralia today, as usual, his moral works. Or at least I'm inspired by one of his moral works. It's, once again, Plutarch's cool little text, How to Profit from Your Enemies. And it's something I think that you can put into practice probably today, and probably just about every day, because how many days go by that someone doesn't annoy you, or you see a person doing something that makes you think, who does that? Or, I know exactly what she's up to, unbelievable. Or, these idiots with their wrong opinions. Or maybe you even say, now that is genuinely evil. I like this tool to respond to those kind of situations, because it's a tool the philosopher Plato is supposed to have used frequently. And Plato spent quite a lot of time around some very bad people. Plato lived through the tyranny of the 30 oligarchs, which was a reactionary regime imposed by Sparta upon Athens when the Athenians lost the Peloponnesian War to the Spartans. It was a bad time, a very bad time. If you want to dig into that, go read Lysias's speech against Eratosthenes. This is not on the murder of Eratosthenes. That's actually a different Eratosthenes, a different text entirely. Not Lysias 1. I'm talking about against Eratosthenes, which is Lysias 12. And Lysias was a famous Athenian orator. His brother was murdered by some of the men in the 30 tyrants regime for his money. Lysias tells the story in that speech, it will give you chills. And Plato was present at the trial of Socrates. He saw his beloved teacher get condemned to death by an Athenian jury, by a jury of his own countrymen. And Plato had to live with those people afterwards. He had to see their faces around town. After the Peloponnesian War, Plato watched the Athenian democracy slide into some of the same old habits that had brought it into that bloody war in the first place. Plato became a teacher. He founded a school in Athens to try to see if he could make individual people better if he couldn't make the state better. 
and he watched every charlatan and blowhard and pseudo-intellectual hang their shingle in the agora, competing with him for students. Athens, the first great educational free market. And Plato also went to Sicily, and he met the famous tyrant of Syracuse, Dionysius the Elder. He became a sort of friend. He was invited to some of Dionysius's wild parties with the Syracusan courtiers, a world of flattery and illusion and wealth beyond anything the mainland Greeks were used to imagining. And while he was there, he became a friend of Dionysius's young brother-in-law, Dion. Plutarch wrote a biography of Dion. Plato loved Dion. And later on, when they were both older, the two men had a fascinating and sort of ill-starred political friendship. Dion was a good man who didn't do enough to distance himself from bad men. But the toughest thing for Plato to bear was that it was one of his own students who was responsible for treacherously murdering his dear friend, Dion. So Plato at times got very intimate with some people who did bad things with great consequences. He wanted to not be like those people. So what did he do? Avoid society entirely? No. Plato had a mantra, a kind of a phrase that he would repeat to himself. Every time he encountered someone he didn't want to be like, he asked himself, and yet, am I not in fact like that too? Mi puara kego tiutos. In other words, Plato wouldn't walk away from his interactions with vicious people and think, at least I'm not like that guy. And don't we often do this to make ourselves feel better? It's a chance to define yourself as the good guy, the virtuous one, when you see someone cutting in line or cheating on their taxes or posturing on social media. But Plato didn't do this, this, you know, I'm better than that guy thing. He, he did the opposite. He said, and yet am I not in fact like that too? Plato used the vice of others not to console himself, but to refine his scrutiny of his own character. He used his fine observations of his enemies to help him become better. So try that next time you observe vice. Don't spend your time rationalizing their deed, for instance. Don't make excuses for them, saying, Oh, mustn't judge. Oh, but they had a bad childhood. No, go ahead and judge. But mainly, judge yourself. Ask yourself, and yet, am I not in fact like that too? So, stay strong, stay tuned, stay ancient. Till next time, this is Alex Petkus.